Welcome to the Lyme Voice Network. We are chronic illness warriors, caretakers, and advocates who are overcoming illness in all of its many forms. We created this show to inspire, educate, and encourage you on your path to wellness. We're here to help you put the puzzle pieces of healing into place. Join us and our network of Lyme Warriors as we discuss how fighting is a mindset, healing consists of choices, and living is the outcome. Hello, friends. Today's podcast is brought to you by these sponsors. Urbane Medical is a boutique ketamine infusion center located in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. They provide a hospitable environment rather than a hospital environment. They're eager to accommodate your family in any way they can during your time of healing. Ketamine can promote a sense of well-being, decreases brain fog, and reduces chronic nerve pain. I interview the owner, Jonathan, in episode 109 for more information. I can attest to what a therapeutic environment they offer at Urbane Medical. And Jonathan Evertson, the owner, makes you feel safe and comfortable and also has some really fantastic playlists available upon request. I have seen with a number of my coaching clients that ketamine is a game changer on a number of levels. So if you are in the Scottsdale area, check out Urbane Medical. Invita Medical Center, a center of excellence for personalized oncology and Lyme disease treatment located in Scottsdale, Arizona. What defines Invita is the undeniable truth that every patient who has the courage to come to Invita and walk through their doors discovers the incredible healing and compassionate care that can only exist in a clinic that is radically focused on patient outcomes. They provide a focused team of people with an exceptional heart for serving their patients. At Invita, they have discovered a revolutionary solution for patients to help improve their quality of life. Call to speak with one of their patient care coordinators today. Invita helped save my life back in 2013, long before this podcast existed and they became a sponsor. They also helped carditis after getting reinfected a couple of years ago. I highly recommend them and you can hear more about Invita in episode 80. Medical Bill Gurus. The experts at Medical Bill Gurus are dedicated to innovative solutions for any medical billing scenario, which we all have in this community. Oh my gosh. With empathy at the forefront of their daily mission, Medical Bill Gurus is dedicated to being in the trenches with patients and raise awareness for the daily challenges facing them. From medical billing errors to raising awareness for their diagnosis, Medical Bill Gurus takes pride in speaking with patients every day and helping them find guidance on how to navigate our broken healthcare system. Their patient advocates are available to help reduce medical bills and assist patients with navigating a dynamic health landscape. I also interviewed Daniel Lynch, founder of Medical Bill Gurus, in episode 111. In addition to helping you get money back from your insurance company, if you need help deciphering what health insurance provider to choose, and I have done this several times a year for years now, or you are looking for a clinic that is covered by insurance, they are a great resource for all things related to medical bills, figuring out which insurance provider you could or should have. They're an awesome resource. Again, I use them multiple times a year. Give them a call. All right, now on to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Lime Voice. I am here with Brian Humrick, 
who is the author of EHS Warrior Beating Mold, Illness, Lyme Disease, and Electromagnetic Sensitivity. Brian, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I told you this just before we went on air, but I had told my husband when I got this book a few months ago that I was waiting to read it because I knew I would like need to need and want to start implementing some things. And mm -hmm. I was just like, I don't know how to fit that in right now. So you have had a similar journey to so many people with Lyme and you talk about it in your book. You're actually just authored a second book. And what is the name of that one? That is the DIY EMS Home Inspection Guide. Okay, yes. I'll you, send you the link. <laughs> send me a link. Yeah, I think you actually already did, but I was like, oh, because there's so much information in your book about what to do. And when you and I, we got to do our pre-interview in person because I got to meet you in yep. Arizona. And one of the things, it just blew my mind right away I, because again, I'm not familiar with a lot of this. I understand it. I know tons of people who have this sensitivity. It wasn't one of the things I dealt with. But like you took your reader, what mm -hmm. is that called? The... Uh, this thing? Yes. What is that called? So this is a radio frequency meter. Radio frequency meter. I told my husband that I wanted one for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get you one? No. We did it. Again, we're figuring out what we need to do, but I was, so you did my cell phone, which yep. I use constantly all the time. And it was at like two, over 2000. Yep. Re, it was over 2000 and microwatts per square meter, microwatts per square meter. Okay. Yep. See, I read your whole book and I get this. I just, it's like a whole new vocabulary. I feel like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yep. So, but you, but anything above what is considered not good? A hundred in general? Point, point two. Anything above point two is unsafe. And I was at like 2000 just on my cell phone. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. And as soon as I put it on a Wi-Fi mode, which is, or airplane mode, which is one of the things you suggested, it went all the way to zero. Down. Yeah. Yep. Down to zero. Okay. So Brian, how did you come about writing a book, becoming an EHS warrior? You're going to go into it, but I know it's like completely transformed your life. Take us mm -hmm. back to what's so funny about the beginning of your book. You're like, I'll take you back to the beginning, but I don't really remember. So yeah. here's what yeah. I've got. So give us kind of your five minute overview of that journey and then we'll dive into your book. Okay. So in the very beginning, I got sick. I was driving and I started getting these pains in my left shoulder. At the time, I, I really didn't know what it was. But now looking back, I kind of, I, I have a lot of theories of what I think it was, but at the time I didn't know. And then it turned into a flu and I went from doctor to doctor trying to figure out what was wrong with me, if it really was a flu, because the flu didn't go away. It was a flu that remained for months and months. And each doctor said it was stress and that I should live a less stressful lifestyle. One doctor actually diagnosed me with extreme stress disorder, which I had never heard of that. Huh. Yeah, and uh, PTSD, which I'm like, I have, I have no reason why, no clue why I'm being diagnosed with this. But they said that I needed to live a, a stress-free lifestyle, which I did, and then my symptoms still remained, and they started to get worse. And then I went to more doctors trying to figure out what was going on. They said the same thing, it was stress. And then I found another doctor. Well, before I found that one doctor, actually, I was doing some research online and my symptoms were so specific. Like I was having vibrations in my body. I was having floaters in my eyes. 
I was having nosebleeds. I was losing my memory. Like I couldn't keep a conversation because I would forget what I was talking about as I was talking about it. It was difficult. And so I started typing those symptoms in online and found something about EMFs and which are electromagnetic frequencies. And these people who had the same exact symptoms that I had were calling themselves EHS, electromagnetic hypersensitivity. And I'm like, maybe that could be it. So then I started asking people about it and everyone thought I was crazy. They're like, what do you mean you're allergic to your cell phone? What do you mean you're allergic to Wi-Fi? It's all safe. And I'm like, I don't know. So I believed all these people. Yeah. I don't know. This is just how I feel. And this is what I'm experiencing. I don't know how to articulate it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I didn't know what, my symptoms were so specific, but they were new. There wasn't a lot on my symptoms when I first got sick. And then I stopped thinking it was EMFs. I stopped thinking it was EHS because I believed everybody else. I believed that it's stress. And then, so I went to more doctors and tried so many things. My book, I talk about all the things that I tried. I like how you actually listed. You were like, I don't really remember, but then you like listed out a ton of the supplements you took and the routines. I was like, that's pretty good because I remember the experiences and the details, but I've kind of blocked out the protocols and stuff at this point. Well, what, what happened for me was I'm really big on my memory. When I started forgetting things and forgetting my day, I started writing it down. And it really helped. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, what did I eat for breakfast this morning? And I really wanted to like remember everything. But then after that, I started typing my symptoms in again. And I saw the EHS stuff and EMF stuff again. But then I found mold. And my symptoms, the EHS symptoms, are the exact same symptoms of somebody with mold illness. So I'm like, maybe it's mold. So then I went to a mold doctor who tre- gave me a mold protocol, which was a uh, chlorostymine. I believe. And uh, you take these pills or these powders, these drinks, and they're supposed to bind the mold and all that. Well, I was still living in a moldy environment. And my doctor had said not to start the protocol because I was in a moldy environment, but I didn't listen. And I still did the protocol, which made me worse. But then I found out that I had Lyme disease as well and asked her to treat me. And she said no, because she believed that it was just mold. And she said, I'm not going to treat Lyme disease. It's just mold. Uh, If we treat the mold, you'll get better. So she prescribed me a second protocol. What an an interesting thought process for a physician. And I know we live in an alternate reality that no one else understands. I get that. But like for a physician to be like, oh, no, you could only be dealing with one thing. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't make any sense. Yep. (laughs) It was confusing for me. So I stopped seeing her after that and then went to... I thought to myself to type in the mold symptoms again, and I typed in it online, and I found out that mold and Lyme disease and EHS, all three of those have the exact same symptoms. And I was like, maybe it's just Lyme and mold, and kind of ignored the EHS portion, and then went to, I moved to Arizona. I got rid of everything that I owned and, and moved to Arizona and went to the Lyme and and Cancer Treatment Center. And they were the first ones who actually did like an in-depth test on me because the previous test was very minimal. It just said I had Borrelia. Okay. And 
and nothing else. It didn't say anything else. But then at the Lyman Cancer Treatment Center, it said that I had every single co-infection and just massive amounts of it. They were shocked at how high my numbers were. And then I had tons of mold in my body, tons of environmental pollutants in my body. And so I spent 10 weeks at Invita or at the Lyman Cancer Treatment Center. And I didn't feel like it worked that well, to be honest with you. I had to get a port installed. I'm sure you had a port as well. And I was spending eight hours a day there just getting pumped full of treatments. And then after that, I would have to go to these other treatments, but that's a whole nother story. And one of the things that I just thought was so interesting about your story, because I was sick for so many years before I ever got to a place where I was at a treatment center. And, and so it was interesting to see your perspective on things. And I talked to my husband about it last night. I said, just the way you're describing the fatigue of eight hours a day of being at the clinic and, or going to other clinics before or after treatment, and then coming home and doing all this stuff. And you're, you're so sick already to begin with. And then treatment doesn't make you feel better usually initially. And it usually doesn't for a lot of months. And just the way you're describing the heaviness of that reality Mm -hmm. was interesting for me because I was, and it was just a different way of describing things, but I was so grateful to finally be at a place where I knew what was going on and had hope that they could heal me, which I hadn't had in so many years. I literally thought I was dying. I didn't think I was going to see my oldest graduate from high school. So I had so many years that I'm like, oh yeah, of course this sucks. Like this sucks, but it's better than being home like by myself, not knowing what was going on. But I felt like you validated the just insanity and the heaviness of those doing those schedules for years, whether I was at a treatment center or at home, I was implementing hours and hours of protocols, just like you, like all over the place. But I thought that you did a really good job of explaining the heaviness in a way that actually validated me in some unique way. I was like, oh, this sucks. I'm just so used to things sucking really bad that I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah. You, of course you puke in the bush on the way out to your car. Isn't that normal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought you yeah. did a good job of explaining that. Thank you. Yeah, it was tough. I was all alone. I didn't have anybody at all there with me. That's another dynamic. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said that. I know, like when I went to my patient care coordinator, one of the things she said to me is she said, Sarah, we know the patients that are here to get treated for Lyme and the patients that are here to get treated for cancer because the cancer patients have family and friends and cousins and aunts and uncles and Lyme patients almost always come alone. Yep. And I, I was alone. Yeah. <laughs> I was not alone because I was totally disabled the first time I went through treatment, but I was alone the second time when I got reinfected and went through treatment. And you talk about being there alone. Yep. That's a whole thing in and of itself. Yeah. It was hard. I lived an hour away, so I had to drive an hour. I moved to Arizona. I knew nobody. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any family there with me. I drove an hour every day. I had to wake up super early to go to the the morning treatments at one treatment center. And then I had to go to the second treatment center and be there for eight hours. And then I went to a third treatment center at the end of the day. So my days were completely full of just treatments for eight to 10 weeks. Yeah. And then after that, after all that and leaving the treatment center, the Lyman Cancer Treatment Center, 
I ended up, they said that they were going to do a whole year of treatment on me afterwards and prescribe me all these antibiotics and all this stuff. But after a few weeks of taking it, it made me feel worse. I, my stomach was really messed up and I felt weaker than I did while I was at the treatment center. And then, yeah, do you want me to continue on with the rest of it? Or? Yeah, go ahead. I'll, throw, I'll jump in there. But yeah, go for it. Okay. So randomly, one day I was talking to my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and I was talking to her and, and we were saying, what if it could be EMFs again? And she had, she knew my whole story. She knew everything about Lyme disease. How many Every- years into symptoms is this for you? This is four and a half years okay. in. Okay. Yeah. Or four, about four years. And then because I'm coming up in April, it'll be five years. Okay. April of this year. Then she's what if it could be EMFs again? So she was the first person that actually listened to me about it being possibly EMFs. And so we we're like, why don't we just try one thing at a time? So we turned off the Wi-Fi at night. And by turning the Wi-Fi off at night, I felt better just randomly. And but I was still like afraid to give up my phone. I was still afraid to live like a technology free lifestyle. And, but I was still receiving treatments at two different treatment centers, not the Lyme and cancer treatment center, but I was still going there and getting the colon hydrotherapy a couple times a week and doing other various treatments. But the biggest change was when I turned off the breaker boxes to my bedroom. I just went outside, flipped the breaker box off and That night I got eight hours of sleep and it was the best sleep of my life. And one thing that really stood out was that I was dreaming again. I'd never dreamed. And and you don't know you're not dreaming until you start dreaming again. And you're like, huh, I, I don't remember the last time I had a dream. And then, yeah, I had been dreaming again. And then each thing that I did, I got better and better. Were you gonna say something? Uh. <laughs> you could see my face on yeah. the video. It's funny. The the thought I had was I used to dream a lot. I've been a big dream person. Huh. Investigated it, try to learn dream language, figure out what it means, understand the symbolism or whatever. And I haven't dreamt in years. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I find that a lot with all the other people that I've helped. They don't dream. It's something weird. And then as soon as you fix the EMFs, you start dreaming again. And it's a really strange feeling to start dreaming again, but yeah. It's crazy. I'm so I've already been telling my kids for months now. I'm like, "Okay, guys, like it's coming cuz they're all we've been in COVID. They've been in lockdown. I have a kid who's sick, so he's homeschooling this year. So they are always playing video games like late into the night." And yeah. I keep telling them, I'm like, "Okay, guys, like <laughs> some changes are coming." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I could go on and on about that. But yeah, so it was it really took the EMF proofing for me to get better. But that was the key. Yeah. Okay. Let's let me go back just because your book had some just great insights on things. It's available on Amazon, EHS Warrior. There's just really good insights in here. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about. So you're a few years into your journey at this point. You're circling back around to understanding, okay, there could be something besides mold, besides Lyme. There could be something else. And it's amazing how many times you, when you're not better, have to go back through and cycle through and you're like, wait a minute, I had this conversation a year ago or six months ago, like what? And you just keep tackling stuff. But one of the things I wanted to go back to in your book was when you talk about being so dependent on people, when Mm -hmm. you aren't being believed, when you don't have a diagnosis or people don't agree with the diagnosis or they are refusing to treat it. And there's so many things. But you said, 
what was I going to do? I didn't have the option of making my home environment mold-free because my parents didn't believe in mold illness. I couldn't get treated for the Lyme co-infections because my doctor didn't think it was necessary, even though I did. So this is before your treatment, but, mm. and I couldn't walk around in tinfoil to protect myself from electromagnetic frequencies because that'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just the dependence on people where you, your financial environment changes. Sometimes your living environment changes because you're lo looking for treatment. So many people are having to leave mold environments to heal. And that's just a huge ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that being dependent on people and then also knowing like you can't stop, like there's yeah. something more out there? Yeah. Well, so what I did was I just agreed with everything that everybody else was saying, but in a way that I still wasn't saying yes. Like, for example, my, my family thought I was on drugs. So they would say, it's just the drugs, Brian, it's just the drugs. And I would just say, okay. And, and, but then start researching on my own or it's just stress, Brian. And I knew it wasn't stress. And then I just continue researching. It, it was really hard mentally on me, to be honest with you. It, it really took a toll and I'm still kind of dealing with that part of everything to this day. I believe it. Another part you had said, we were just talking about being in a situation that you didn't want to be in, but you were because you had yeah. to be in long drives. And you said, you're just talking about understanding that you and your family had different perspectives on what was unfolding. And you said, those drives, although brutal, taught me that some people are incapable of seeing anything other than what they want to see. Yep. Yep. That's very true. Yeah, there was a lot of truth in your book of just very, just various statements that I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what is going on is you're dealing with a doctor who may or may not be able to see family members you may or may not be dependent on who can or not see. And then we're all bringing those experiences to the table of this illness that no one understands. And it doesn't make sense. Yep. It's just because it's an invisible illness. And you, I don't know if you had mold as well, or if you were just Lyme disease, but like Lyme disease is an invisible illness. Mold is an invisible illness. And so is EHS. So I, having all three, it's hard because they, they see me on the outside and they're like, who is this person? And, and I'm trying to put on this fake kind of personality, like everything is okay when everything wasn't okay. And they could kind of, my, my family could see through that and they could see that I wasn't all right, but they just didn't know what it was because there's not a whole lot of information or there wasn't a whole lot of information on EHS. And then if you look at any sort of research on, on Lyme disease, they make all these claims that it can be cured in 28 days. And you're like, what the heck? No, if it could be cured in 28 days, then cure me in 28 days. And Right. So. None of us would be having these conversations if it was that easy. Yeah, exactly. We would all have just moved on with our lives, just like when you get the flu or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as easy as they say. It's not. And I, I, the psychological toll of having, of knowing something is so very wrong mm -hmm. and you're putting on a sense of normalcy because you have to play the game. I've done this with doctors myself where they're like, Oh, you're just depressed. You have too many kids. And I'm like, that's not it. Yeah, exactly. You're like, but, no. I, yeah. So that balance is something I, I understand why people quit. 
Mm-hmm. I understand yeah. why people quit going. I understand why they quit advocating because it is very easy to believe it is all in your head. Yep. Yeah. yeah. One of the things you said, like I said, I'm not crazy. So why confuse people? It just, it was just easier to not have to explain. Besides yep. wearing EMF protection clothing received a lot of physical discomfort and I wouldn't have worn it if it didn't work. Yep. Yep. I love that. I'm going to make a social media post out of that because I was just like, if it, that's what it comes down to for so many of us. If it's not working, you have to yep. keep going to find the next thing. Yep, exactly. This is a random question that you probably can't answer, but do you feel like your treatment protocols with Lyme were less effective because you hadn't dealt with EHS stuff as quickly? Or do you think that the EHS for you was the bigger component or is it just a big puzzle of... Well, okay. So all three of them are extremely connected. There's a doctor, Dr. Klinghart. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of oh, him. Yeah. Yep. So he's an expert on Lyme disease and mold, um, but he's also a, a, an expert on EHS. So if you're only treating Lyme disease, then you're not going to get better. If you're only treating mold, you're not going to get better. If you're only treating EHS, you're not going to get better. You have to treat all three at the same exact time. So by going to the treatment center and just getting my treatment on Lyme disease, if I were in an EMF free environment, like if they made their clinic EMF free, I would have gotten better immediately. I know I would have. I would have benefited more from those treatments. But because there's Wi Fi there, there's people on their cell phones, there's all these different environmental toxins, and it made it hard for my body to heal yeah. from the treatment. Huh. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that component. Yeah. Just because me, myself, like, it- Treatment was just about going and receiving those nutrients and whatever treatments that were on the agenda for today, but to be walking into an environment and you were so sensitive and you still are where you can tell and feel it right away. And I know a bunch of people who are like that, then it would just be an additional burden on your body. Yep. Exactly. Huh? Okay. So you are a few years into it. Your girlfriend believes you guys start re doing your life, diving in and diving in on a significant level because you saw instant results when you started shutting off wi-fi and modifying your life yep we thought to ourselves why not try this what's it gonna hurt i I tried literally everything you can think of to cure myself of lyme disease and of mold illness why not try something else and if it didn't work then at least we tried everything so we tried turning off the wi-fi 24 7 we turned off my cell phone. I actually don't own a cell phone anymore. I gave that up. Yeah. Wow. So, that is yeah. hardcore. Yep. And we gave up all electricity in the house except for the refrigerator and the stove. So we turned off all the breakers to the entire house. So yeah. it was really like very hardcore. I really wanted to get better. So by doing that, my health just started to increase and increase. I started to see like dramatic results that were just. I felt better than I had ever felt. I was getting eight hours of sleep every single night. I had more energy. and But the one thing that we couldn't control was the outside environment. So our neighbors still had Wi-Fi and their Wi-Fi reached into our house. That was the one area that we couldn't control. Well, you were saying in your book that you would go sit outside and you could feel like, especially during COVID and stuff, when your neighbors came home and started turning on their Wi-Fi, you could feel it in your backyard. Yep. Yep. I could feel it. And then I would take out my meter and I'd turn the meter on. And that that's kind of one of the ways that I figured out that it was EHS that I had was 
I had the meter and if I started to feel sick, I would turn on the meter and my symptoms would correlate to the meter readings. When the readings were high, I felt worse. When they were low, I felt better. Yeah, so then I stopped going in the backyard and I only stayed like a prisoner inside my bedroom, which really was hard for me. I I could just sit and stare out the window and that's all I did for a full year. I was inside that that house, EMF proofed. Yeah. Wow. You say it says I felt as if I was trapped. I felt as if I were trapped in my body watching the world pass by. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And there's a there's something you said too where you talked about getting to a place where you understood your body what triggered you and all that stuff. So if you stayed home and did nothing, you could exist. Yes, exactly. But if you wanted to live and get out, like you would be tanked and that's yep. such this it feels like people are on that cycle often for years in trying to figure out their health because they're like, okay, if I control everything, I can not suffer as much, Mm -hmm. but but you are trapped. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what led us to coming up with the EMF proof or EMF free community. Yes. Okay. I love it. I love how you went into specifics on what that community looked like for you like long ago. And how now that's coming into play. So tell us more about what what is unfolding and and really like where you see this. I I see this as being like a huge thing moving forward in the future. Yeah, Yeah. I I assume you do, too. But I love the specifics of the kind of community you wanted to create. I would personally love to do housing for people who are going through treatment. Yep. Uh, and especially people who are there alone and or need long-term recovery. Oh, I would have loved to have gone in and moved into some type of a community for a year because yeah. I was disabled for several years. It took me a full, it took me years to actually be able to go on a walk and do normal things. Yeah. And if I could have been in a community that one fostered healing and people understood what was going on, like I get the power of that sense of community. So yeah. Tell us how you found it and what is unhap- what is going to happen. Well, okay. So what happened originally was when I got better, I got to a point where I was about 80% better. But being in the environment that I was in, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get past 80% because the EMFs in my environment on the exterior of my home were still too high. So I was like, okay, well... We need to find a place that is a zero radio frequency. So we started looking for land and we came, I don't know if you remember reading about a few of my experiences with the land. Yeah. It was hard. No, I believe you. I was a real estate, I had a real estate brokerage before getting sick. And mm-hmm. so you were just talking about the complications of getting someone to understand, like you couldn't communicate via the phone or email yep. consistently. And I'm like, it's just the complications are on so many layers. Yep. Yeah. So while we were looking or we found a few properties, but they were, they were either in the middle of nowhere or there was other comp, there were other complications that happened. So we kind of put that on the side and I got so healthy that we, instead of doing the community at that point, we decided to start going and trying to help other people who had Lyme disease and create like a safe environment for them in their homes. So I started doing home inspections where I would go out to their house with my meters and I would inspect their entire environment and turn off their Wi-Fi, get it. Because people think if you turn off Wi-Fi that they're not going to get internet. Like I'm on the internet right now, but it's an ethernet cable. So it's just hooked in. So there's, it's not wireless because it's wired. It's safe. 
So we made safe environments for people with Lyme disease and we saw them start to get better. And my wife is a doctor. She started seeing people getting better. I started seeing people getting better and we're like, we're really on to something here. And after about, I would say a hundred people, maybe more, 100, 200 people that we helped. And we were like, we really need to get this community up and going. So we started looking again for land. And we found a few, we, like every weekend, we would drive out there, um, drive two or three hours to a location. And I would bring my meters and test it to see if it was a safe environment, see how I felt. It took us a very long time. But recently, we just found our land and purchased it. It is uh, 763 acres right at the base of the mountain of Kitt Peak in Tucson. It's Three Points, Arizona. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. That's so exciting. Yeah, I know. And and when we went out there, it was literally zero radio frequencies, zero everything. Standing on the land, I felt so good. I felt uh, like myself again. Um, I felt 100%. I didn't have any symptoms, zero, nothing. We actually camped out there overnight to make sure that it was safe. And it was zero the entire night. So now what we're going to do is build housing on that 763 acres for other people who have Lyme disease, mold illness, electromagnetic hypersensitivity, and try and give them a safe place where their bodies can heal. Yeah, it just sounds fantastic. I really, yep. I am so excited for you. I can like literally picture you out there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you guys standing out there after all you went through and the number of years and the number of hurdles you've jumped and yep. to really be at a place of victory. I'm yeah. excited for you guys. Thank so you. So when do you anticipate being up and running with this community? Well, we just purchased a tiny home. If you've tiny. heard of oh, tiny yeah. homes before. Yeah. yeah. So we just purchased a 225 square foot house and we're going to be moving there on February 2nd. So in two weeks, we're going to move out there in this little tiny home and then develop the rest of the land. So we have to put up fences and kind of subdivide the entire area. And since there's no electricity out there right now, there's no water, there's no sewer, we're having to put in a well, we're having to put in septic and all that. So I would say maybe a few months and and we'll be up and running. Really? Yeah, this year, definitely this year. Awesome. So there are people who are camping, other people who are sick, camping in the middle of nowhere just to feel better. And that's the only way that they feel better. Well, we're going to offer people camping options so they can, while we're developing the land, if they want to come out and camp on the land, they can come out and camp on the land. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yep. Oh, that's so cool. I had interviewed Annie Hopper and she talks about she's one of many living in a tent and an RV and all sorts of stuff because that is where you feel a relief of the symptoms. Yep. Man, that's enormous. Mm -hmm. And I know one of the things that you talked about is just the overall expense of everything that you want it to be a place where people can afford to come. Yep, exactly. Afford to come. And I loved your schedule of like, Good nutrition, mm-hmm. rest time with nature, yep. physicians who understand what you're yep. dealing with. Yep. And what else was there? So you're going to have camping, camping, housing, yep. full treatment protocols. Full treatments, full supplementation protocols. 
everything on and site. support groups support groups to talk and just kind of meet people and hang out in a non-hospital environment yeah. and talk about your story and just make new friends like one of the things ha- having EHS and Lyme and mold is I lost all my friends. I have zero friends right now. I, I have Jonathan, who you know. And Jonathan is, he's talking about Jonathan and from Urbane Medical, who I interviewed yeah. a few episodes back. That's how we met. And you yep. don't know this. I didn't tell you this, I don't think. But I actually heard about you through Jonathan. But then I heard about you through one of my coaching clients who you actually went out to their house. Really? And yes, this was in 2020. And it was funny because I didn't connect the dots for quite a while until oh. I had met Jonathan, met you. And then as I was reading your book, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, he. So I know that you have already impacted lives in a positive yeah. way, even while you're dealing with all of it. And to expand that vision to include a whole community is just going to be powerful. Yep. What is the, do you have a name? Well, we're kind of thinking of uncaged, which is like uh, we consider ourselves the canaries in the coal mine, the people who are getting sick, and we should be listening to the canaries. So uncaged is is that. It kind of came to us because living EMF-free, we have to live inside of a house that is blocking radio frequencies and all that. And on this land, you have an opportunity to be outside. Like you can walk around. I walked around the entire property, which is like five miles by five miles. Uh, Yeah. And it took four hours for me to walk around it, but I felt great. And I haven't been able to go outside and walk around in years. So other people are going to be able to step out of their cage and yeah, walk around. I love it. So people yeah. could just come and camp for the weekend, camp for the yep. week type thing, yep. experience it, see if it is helpful for them. And then if it is, and they're like, okay, uh, I actually feel better when I'm away from all of this, then they also have access to the resources that you guys are putting into place. Yep. Yeah. And then they'd be able to, if they wanted to purchase a tiny home and put it on there, they could do that. Or if they want to. Are you guys selling lots then? Um, home lots? Not right now. No, we're splitting them up into five acre lots because the minimum square footage in that area is four acres per house, which is good for people with EHS. So you have a lot of distance between homes, but we'll put one house per, t- per five acres. And if people want to camp, they can camp. If they want to rent a house for a month, two months, whatever, they can rent a house. Or if they want to bring their own trailer or camper or whatever they can do that too wow yeah wow so cool man we are gonna run out of time on this and i'm so sad because i already have so many questions i the part when you talked about disconnecting from everything shutting off selling your cell phone you were like how do people get a hold of me it does like they don't i don't have friends i just spent five years fighting for my life like yep yep (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Start over. And then in the sense of starting over, you're not starting kind of, it is, that's always the case, but it's not starting over because I think what's so cool. And I felt this when I met you was it, there's an aspect of starting over, but it's starting over in a position and a mindset and an environment that you want to be in. Yep. And so you are going to meet obviously people who have Lyme and mold and all these things are going to connect with you on that level anyways. 
Yep. But you guys are just creating a community in which the people you are going to meet are in line with who you are now. Yep, exactly. I'm excited. Yeah, that is really exciting. Yeah. That is really exciting. How do you think, I want to talk very briefly just about fixing the psychological side of things. You talk about just how your body changed and you went from being this big guy with muscles and then you weren't. Yes, that was hard. Yeah. That was really hard. I was 255 pounds. I was a amateur bodybuilder. I was really obsessed with my my figure and having a six pack and all that. And then when I got sick, I lost literally everything. I lost all my weight. I wasn't able to work out anymore because every environment's bad, but yeah. Well, one of the things you said is you were just talking about that and you said on the inside, I'm the biggest guy I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel that way. I, I believe you because I have felt the same way, which doesn't make sense to me on the surface because I'm like, I've gone through the same stuff. I'm like, uh, in a sense, when you can't function, can't keep up in life, you're paying for years of treatment. Like, it almost feels like you can run this checklist of failures yep. in a sense of like, I'm failing to be the type of parent I want or the have the profession I want or, and it's not failing. It's mm -hmm. struggle. Yep. It is struggling against the system that's in place. It's struggling against the symptoms. It's struggling for your own like identity Mm -hmm. after your identity has been stripped away. But yep. it's so when you said that in the book, I believe you because I've experienced the same thing, but it's confusing to me. Yeah, me too. I, I don't know why I think that about myself, except I fought like hell and, and I've conquered death on some level. And so I don't yep. have the same fears and things that other same. people do. Is that what same. it is? That's exactly how I feel. Yep. Have Okay. Oops. We have four minutes left. Have you heard the term thrownness? No. Oh my gosh, I'm going to pause and look up the definition just because I don't have it up. But it is talks about when you go through something that you can't control and usually not of your choosing. So people in the military, people with illnesses, and you go through these traumatic events, you it changes your perspective on reality. And you it don't does. view time in this linear sense of like past, present, and future. You're like, oh no, it's all now. And yeah who I am now can actually Im impact things differently. And so it creates this sense of heightened consciousness. Yeah. Where because you are in a sense comfortable with, a lot of people are scared of death. You're comfortable with it in some way because you had yeah. to sit with it for years, knowing it was there, feeling its presence, watching your yeah. life kind of fall apart. And yet you come out of it. Yeah. Oh, you're making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I feel the same. I feel, yep. I don't even understand it. Yeah, it's powerful. You feel like you've done everything and you've lived this whole other life while you're sick and you've accomplished so much by beating it. It's powerful. I've said so many times, I feel like I've accomplished, like I have accomplished some great things. I just have yeah. nothing material to show for yep. it. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, that to me was just so powerful in your book. And there were so many more statements like that where I'm like, I don't understand why this is the outcome after so much loss, but for some reason it is. Yeah. It's crazy. You look at life differently. I feel different now. I feel like the Brian who I was before I got sick versus the Brian who I was while I was sick 
and the Brian who I am now, all three different people. And I like who I am now. I look at life differently. I don't know if you feel the same way. To- oh, totally. Yeah. It, I, I think you say it in there like you, you have to reevaluate everything that yeah. you thought or believed or understood or yep. even people's views of you or your views of them and yep. emotions. And it's crazy how yep. it redefines you. And it is limiting at the beginning and it is isolating and there is so much loss. Like that stuff is all real and doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. But how you deal with it, yeah, perceive it, take action accordingly, that is that is something I see in the Lyme community. And then especially like people are not recovered themselves. Even you're still dealing with stuff and yep. you tweak your life to make it work. Yep. But you're still surviving on some levels. You're surviving on some levels, and yet you demonstrated this both in your book and in your actions. You want to help people so badly. Yep. And yep. that drives you to this different level. And now I'm going to help people. Going to help people with the community. So, are you guys probably going to do like DIY training sessions and stuff when people are out there, even for like when they go back home? Or- yeah. Okay. Yep, we're going to do a whole YouTube channel and, and make videos and give show people how to do everything and then also help people there because we're not going to have internet access out there. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for being here. Our time is up. I got to let you go. But thank you so much for what you're doing for mm-hmm. the community. And come back on when you guys are up and running. This Definitely. This is so exciting. Thank both, you. Both your books are on Amazon, correct? Yes, both of them. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for being here. All right, bye. Disease is contrary to life. Therefore, wherever disease exists, life must also fight to exist. Good job fighting, Lyme fighters. Keep it up. We'll see you next time. Lyme Voice contains general information about medical conditions and treatments. The information is not advice and should not be treated as such. Okay, Lincoln? Okay. The medical information on Lyme Voice is provided as is without any representations, warranties, expressed or implied, okay? Okay. Lyme Voice makes no representations or warranties in relation to the medical information on this podcast. You must not rely on the information on this podcast as an alternative to medical advice from your doctor or other professional health care provider. If you have any specific questions about your medical matter, you should consult your doctor or other professional health care provider. And for you, you consult your parents, okay? Okay. If you think you may be suffering from, from any medical condition, you should seek immediate medical attention. You should never delay seeking medical advice, disregard medical advice, or discontinue medical treatment because of information on this podcast. Got it, Lincoln? Got it.